From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. I hope that you had a safe and happy New Year. And if you're like many people that you probably didn't stay up, you just probably slept because it was just another day to you. But Happy New Year. We are in a new year. We're in a new decade. We're in a brand new decade, which is, which is crazy, but I'm excited about what's, what's ahead of us as Parkway Church. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to Luke chapter 5, and we're also going to look at Matthew chapter 6. It will also be on the, I think it's going to be on the screen. I shouldn't say that. I can't remember if I did one or not. Luke chapter 5, starting in verses, halfway through verse 15, it says, News about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 17. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will be not obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I want to talk to you today about uh, prayer and fasting. I want to talk about setting aside time and also a basic fundamental human need to be with God. And then at the end, if you've heard me the last couple weeks, I want to challenge you to join with us in 21 days of prayer and fasting, beginning tomorrow, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, here's what I believe. I believe our greatest breakthrough is on the other end of prayer and fasting. The challenge that you've been facing, the hill that you've been climbing, the hurt that you've been holding on to, the the pain that you've been wrestling with, the plateau that you've been feeling, what God wants to accomplish through you as an individual, what God wants to accomplish through us as a church is on the other end of us dedicating time to being with God alone in prayer and also fasting. So let me just pray. Father God, we're just thankful for the service this morning, thankful for your presence here Lord, and as we look at the message this morning, I pray, God, that as I speak, that ultimately you would speak, that you'd encourage, that you'd challenge, Lord, that you lead us to a place where we walk out these doors and we're a little bit more like Jesus Christ. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our greatest breakthrough is on the other end of prayer and fasting. My oldest son is six years old. His name's Elijah, for those of you who don't know, and he is a talker. He does not stop talking. He talks so much that you just begin to tune it out and think that maybe one day this will go away. He hasn't stopped talking from the moment he was a child, like a baby. He's still a child. But from the moment he came out, he was, he was moving his mouth and making sounds and has not stopped since. He even talks in his sleep. Some days, and I'm going to be honest with you, I just wonder what it would be like just to shove his mouth full of socks. <laughs> just, just to... Give me a break. But then I know what that's like because I sit down at dinner time and I see his mouth full of food and him still attempting to talk. And I'm like, you can't talk with food in your mouth. It's inappropriate and really gross. He doesn't stop talking. And in all of his talking, we're trying to teach him and all of our children what it means to talk with God, what it means to pray. 
And we pray at all sorts of times in our house. Like many of you probably, we pray, you know, before they go to school. And we pray over all of our meals. You know, we pray when there's an ambulance going by and we hear, you know, the sirens. We just, we pray when we hear a knee. We just, we try to teach them to pray. But routinely, we pray at, at bedtime. Bedtime is a time where we stop, and I've shared this before, and we just have like this routine prayer. Now, most of the time, or maybe half the time, it's, it's me praying and the other half of the time, it's me encouraging them to pray. But for Eli specifically, for a kid who never stops talking, this is when he's often the quietest. Right? This is the time that his mouth is just sealed is when I'm trying to encourage him to talk with God. And when I think about that, that's kind of like us. When it comes time to talk to God, it's often when we're the quietest. And not even that we're, that we're quiet, but quite often we're not just spending time in prayer in general. Jesus, though, had a habit of talking with God. He often withdrew from the crowds, from the busyness of life, from work, from ministry, to spend time alone with God the Father in prayer. If you know anything about the ministry that Jesus did when he was walking and ministering, and teaching, and, and, and performing miracles. It was, it was busy. It was crowded. Whenever Jesus entered a town, the crowds heard, and they wanted to come. They wanted to see the miracle worker. They came out of everywhere. They wanted their sick to be healed. They wanted to hear him speak. And after one encounter with the crowds, the writer Luke tells us, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I thought that's interesting. After the busyness of being with the crowds, Luke thought it was important for us to hear and to know, but often Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He got away from it all, often, to pray. Jesus got alone with God to pray. And if Jesus did it, it must be a pretty important practice. You know, we are a, a Bible-believing church, and for us, Jesus is key the Bible calls us to be imitators of God, so if Jesus did it, it must be something that we should probably put into practice as well. Throughout the Bible, prayer is fundamental. There are 650 prayers recorded, listed in the Bible. There are approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. The first time prayer is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, which says, At that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. There are a few earlier dialogues of the, in the Bible initiated by God himself, but the Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. Paul mentions prayer 41 times. Prayer, prayer reports, prayer requests, challenges to pray. The Bible lists specific, five specific postures of prayer, although we can pray in any posture, but sitting, standing, kneeling with your face on the ground and hands lifted up. That's why you often see in our church people raise their hands, because we see it in the scripture. In Jesus' model for how the disciples should pray the Lord's Prayer, if you haven't read it, read it in Luke chapter 11. It gives us an example, a model of how to pray. Jesus provides five areas of focus, that God's name be honored, that God's kingdom come, that God's provision be given, that God's forgiveness be granted, and that God's deliverance be provided. The Bible also lists nine different types of prayer. Prayer of faith, prayer of, of agreement or corporate prayer, prayer of request, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of worship, prayer of dedication, prayer of intercession, prayer of imprecation, and praying in the Spirit. Praying is a major part in what it means to know God. 
Talking with God is central to walking with God. And that's just basically what prayer is. It's talking with God. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue between two. You cannot be in a relationship with God and not be spending time talking with God. No more than I can be in a relationship with my wife and not talk to her. I could say I am all I want. Oh, yeah. I know Jody. Yeah. We, we, I know her very well. I know all about Jody. I even visit her on Sundays for about an hour and a half. It's good. Yeah, we, we know each other. We're together. In the mind of God and what it means to be a follower of Christ is to be a person who talks with God. It's how we build relationship. Richard Foster said this. He says, prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. It ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. See, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to be followers of, of God, believers in God, if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to set our hearts on being people who pray. Our greatest breakthrough is on the other end of prayer. But why is it that we spend so much time talking? Well, when it comes time to talk with God, this is when we're the quietest. I'm just busy. I got work, I got lots of work, kids, projects, life. I heard a story once of a pastor shared this story. When they first began their church, they planted this church, a gentleman came and met him at the front of the church after the service and said, man, I wish I was more like you, but I don't have time for, for prayer like you do. I, have, I, have, I don't have time. My life's too busy. I got so much on the go, I'm, I'm not like you. And the pastor said to this man, he says, do you know what? I've, I've found that I've always been able to make time for the things that I value most. If I value it, I make time for it. And then that was the end of the conversation. The pastor says that the man went away pretty disgruntled. Of course, he was a little challenged. Months went by, and the man showed back up at church and met the pastor again at the front. The pastor says the man just looked different, right? His countenance was different. You ever meet someone once, and then they look one way, and then you see them another time? You can just tell that there's something different about them. So there's something different about this man. And so they got to chatting, and the man invited the pastor and his wife over for dinner. And so they went out for dinner, you know, later in the week or another time. And he brought him to this room. And in this room, he had a window that overlooked his backyard, and he had a rocking chair there. And he says, I love rocking chairs, pastor. I love rocking chairs. And so I bought myself a really nice one. I put it in this spot overlooking my backyard. And every morning, I get up about 20 to 30 minutes earlier than I need to. And I, and I sit in that chair with my coffee, and I read a little bit of scripture, and I think about what it means, and then I pray. And I pray specifically that God's presence would be, I'd be more aware of God's presence in my life. So the pastor says, well, how's that going for you? And that's when his wife jumps in. You know, it's, it's going well when the wife jumps in, right? He says, pastor, since he's been sitting in that chair praying, he's, he's a changed man. He's more focused. He's more loving and gentle. He's more caring towards me and the kids. Later on, that man in that chair felt God stirring his heart to leave his job, leave his business, and go and help plant the church. And so he did. And as the church became successful, he felt God stirring him again in that chair, in that rocking chair in the morning, overlooking his backyard to leave the church and go to another small church plant a few states over and help plant that. Years went by, and the man developed cancer, and he passed away. And at the funeral, the pastor was talking with his wife, and he says, man, that chair was something. And his wife said to the pastor, 
Those prayer meetings in that rocking chair changed his life. You know, we make time for the things that we value. If we truly value it, we will make time for it. So how do we do this with prayer? Very simple, very practical. You pray first. Our battle cry needs to be praying first. You know, often what we do is we, we find ourselves in a situation, we don't pray, and then when something happens, it's then that we pray, right? We, we want God to bail us out of the situation that we didn't pray about before we went into. You know, prayer should not be our last resort. It should be our first defense. The Christian church didn't begin when someone was preaching and people gathered like this morning. It's not how it began. It began when people were praying and waiting on God in Acts chapter 2. As they were sitting there praying and waiting, the Spirit of God was poured out, gifted them, enabled them to be the church, and it was born. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were arrested for speaking about Jesus, and they had to stand before the the authorities. They had to stand before the, the teachers of the law, including the high priest, and they questioned them. And it says that Peter and John spoke boldly before them in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the teachers of the law, they commanded Peter and John, they said, don't speak anymore about this man Jesus. Don't do it. And so they left, and they were released, and do you know what they did? They didn't go preach. They didn't go protest. They didn't go and, and go to a Supreme Court. They didn't gather people together and sing some songs. It says this, it says, they returned to their own people in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and they raised their voices together in prayer to God. When the apostles were tempted to invest their energies in other important and necessary tasks, they determined themselves continually to pray and ministry of the word. We pray first, not second, not third, not after, not when we find time, not at the end. We pray first, before your day begins, before you go to bed, before you go to work or school, before you send the text, before you send the email. You know how many emails I haven't sent because I prayed about it? Ah, yeah, you're right, God, I shouldn't send that one. Before you eat, Do you know that's how grace began over meals? It's because it it helped people focus and set aside time to get in routine prayer with God. It's easy because we eat every day, usually three meals, three meals, not meals, three meals in our society. Before you drive, before you travel, when bad things happen, before bad things happen, pray. Pray. Our response should be to pray first. That's how you make it a part of your life. We don't have to follow a specific formula. It's just a conversation. It's just talking. You know, I don't know how many times people are like so intimidated to pray around me. Or every family gathering, every social gathering I'm at, they're like, oh, Pastor, why don't you pray? I'm not more connected with God because of my role. It's not like people, Pastor God, like, I have more direct access. I got a secret key to an unlocked door. It's like, this is quicker. If I pray, I'll get to, he'll hear it quicker. I got, a, I got better Wi-Fi access to Jesus. It's not true. It's just a conversation. You know, the most, the most profound prayers I've heard were just real. The other, the other day, a few weeks ago, I lost my voice before service. You know, I woke up in the morning, I had no voice, and I was supposed to lead worship. I'm like stressing out. Said so Jody and the kids, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I text Pastor Michelle and some of the worship team members and said, you guys got to do it. I can't do it. Pastor Mitch was preaching that day. And, you know, during the time that I'd typically be going over my message or during the, 
the worship practice, I got a text from, from Jody. She said, Joshua just prayed this. Joshua is my four-year-old little boy. He says, dear God, thank you for my daddy. Bless my daddy and help his throat and speaking feel better and be with him. Amen. Can I, do you think, who do you think God would hear more? A pastor's profound, eloquent sounding prayer on a Sunday morning during a prayer time? Or a little four-year-old boy who out of the honestness of his heart is praying for his daddy? You know, God is not concerned about the, the words that you use in a prayer. Not like, oh, you didn't, you didn't get my dictionary, you read the wrong dictionary. You didn't use the special words that unlock the power of God. He's looking at your heart. You see this throughout scripture. God's not looking at the outward. He's looking at the heart. You just talk. You know how some people, they change when they, when they start praying. All of a sudden, they sound like a different person. I don't know what God thinks about that, but, but I know that God is, is a relational being. You can just talk like we talk to each other. I had very honest prayers with God. Most of my prayer time with God is just a dialogue. God, I don't know what to do today. I'm frustrated or oh, I need help with this because he's my father. I don't need to sound pretty to my father. And maybe you had to to your earthly father. You don't need to to your heavenly father. It's just talking. Real, not flashy, not fancy, just talk. Now, the forgotten cousin to praying is fasting. Fasting is the spiritual discipline most Christians know about and know it's important but never practice. Two people started a fast. A few minutes go by and one looks at the other and sees them eating. Says, we're fasting. What are you doing eating? He says, oh, I fast really fast. When everything we do centers around food, everyone loves a potluck, not eating is not very popular. We know it's important, but we don't put it into practice. When I was a youth pastor, we would have our leadership team come together on pretty much a monthly basis, and we would go through some leadership lessons. We'd talk about the ministry, and then we would do these self-evaluations, which specifically looked at spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, meditation, Bible reading, all sorts, speech, those kinds of different things. And it was all self-evaluation. You know, no one would mark it or check it or, or you know, look at each other's kind of answers. Just how do you feel you're doing? And you kind of evaluate yourself. But then at the end, we'd share about what we believed we were doing best in and what we believe we're doing worst in when it came to spiritual disciplines. And meeting after meeting, year after year, commonly people would list fasting as their worst discipline. It became kind of like a joke where we'd be like, okay, what is your second worst? Because everyone would just be like fasting, 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 fasting. Fasting. What is fasting? Biblical fasting is this. It's intentionally denying yourself the basic human need, food, in order to center your heart on God. It's denying your flesh in order to gain a response from your spirit. It's not a hunger strike where you're trying to gain God's attention, right? It's not a hunger strike where you do it to, to gain political power or to raise awareness for a cause. It's not a diet practice where the goal is physical. Well, I'm dieting anyway. I might as well just call it a fast and maybe Jesus will hear me a little more, right? It's not, that's not what it is. In the Bible, fasting almost always refers to abstaining from food for the spiritual purpose of seeking God. And the reason it's abstaining from food and water is because there's sensual human need. You need food and water to survive. You do. Now, like prayer, 
Fasting is woven and seen throughout the Bible. When you look at the who's who in the Bible, they're people who fasted. Moses, the great leader, prophet, lawgiver, said to have written the first five books of the Bible, fasted. David, the great giant slayer, poet, warrior king, fasted. Elijah, the powerful prophet, he fasted. Esther, the Jew turned queen, fasted. Daniel, the great seer, fasted. Anna, the prophet who saw baby Jesus and glorified God, was said to have worshipped at the temple day and night while fasting and praying. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament wrote a significant chunk of the letters in the New Testament, fasted. And Jesus fasted. If Jesus did it, we're called to be imitators of God, the Bible says. If Jesus did it, it must be an important practice. Before Jesus showed up on the scene and began his earthly ministry for three years and was crucified, the Spirit of God led him into a desert to be tempted. It says where he ate nothing for 40 days. He fasted. Why throughout history have people devoted themselves to this practice? Why, why did Jesus fast for 40 days before he began his ministry? Because when you choose to deny your nature, when you choose to deny your flesh and what your body is craving, the hunger pains, and instead you focus on God, your spirit recalibrates and, and, and is brought into unity with the spirit of God. When I choose to deny my flesh, I become more in tune with the spirit and what the spirit of God is doing. Because in those moments, I don't know if you've ever found yourself hungry. It's not fun. I have, I have little kids who, when they get hungry, they get hangry, right? Like, that's all that becomes in their, their drive is food, food. They could be playing, and you can't stop them from playing. You can't stop a kid from playing. It's hard. But when they get hungry, believe me, they stop playing because they are food-driven. But when you deny yourself, I'm denying my flesh. I'm choosing to, to stop myself and challenge myself from, from eating something that I crave and I need on a daily basis to focus in on God. I'm brought in, in closer union with the Father. The purpose of fasting is to center our hearts on God. Now, it's a discipline. It's a discipline because it requires discipline. It's not meant to be easy. You know, we like the easy button in our society, right? Oh, yeah, I'll fast. How easy is it? Oh, it's a little challenging. I feel a little hunger pains. You know what drives me nuts? Can I just step on a soapbox for a second? You know what drives me crazy? When people say I'm starving. No one in this room has ever been starving. Children in some nations go without food on a weekly basis. Stomachs distended because they're starving. That is starvation. But in our society, we, we, like to, we like to indulge our flesh. When I became an adult, I wasn't allowed cookies all the time when I was a kid, right? But then as an adult, I can eat what I want, when I want, wherever I want. I don't need two cookies out of the, the bag of, I can take a whole sleeve because I'm an adult and I get what I want. And that's our society, so the idea of, of doing something that it takes discipline and hard work, like working out, it's like working out your spirit. I'm, I'm denying my flesh in order to focus in on God. Now, there are a few kinds of, of fast described in the, in the Bible. There's the regular fast, 
the partial fast or the full fast or absolute fast. The regular flat fast normally involves abstaining from all food, solid or liquid. So smoothies, you know, they're included in there. Don't try to get away while I'm not eating any food. I'm just gonna have a smoothie, put a burger in there and I blend it up and then <laughs> abstain. That would be disgusting. Or maybe not, I don't know. But a, a regular fast is, is abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, but not water. This is likely the fast that Jesus did when he was in the desert for 40 days. A partial fast is sometimes described, and this is a, a restriction in your diet, but not a total, a to, a total abstaining from all food. Daniel in the Old Testament describes a, uh, a partial fast in Daniel chapter 10. He says, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So in a partial fast, you maybe choose to, to fast certain kinds of food or certain types of food or certain meals. If you've ever heard of the Daniel fast, where you only eat basically a plant-based diet, that's a type of partial fast. So there's the regular, there's the partial, and then there's the, the full fast or the absolute fast. And this is where you abstain from both food and water. Esther, the queen, when she found out that her people, the Jews, would be executed, including herself, they were, they were about to face execution. She goes to her cousin Mordecai, and she says this. She says, go and gather all the Jews. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. And they fasted before they approached the king to save their people. Now, like prayer, in the mind of God... Fasting is what it means to be part of the body of Christ, is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's a weapon that we use in the spiritual battle that we face. Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, he, he talked about the weapons that we rage war against in the spiritual battle as we fight for our souls. He says they're not like weapons on this earth. They're not like weapons on this earth. Fasting is a part of that arsenal. And when we don't practice the discipline of fasting, it's like going to battle with a very powerful weapon that you never use. It's just, it's just chilling there, right? It's there if I need it, but I'm going to face this battle and fight this fight, and it's difficult, but I'll just keep that. I want to keep it nice and sharp for when I need it. It's, it's like you, having a weapon that you never use. You can still fight. You can still fight the spiritual fight. Like there's no condemnation, the Bible says, for anyone in Christ Jesus. There's no, there's no thing in Scripture that says, if you don't fast, well, you're not really a Christian. That's not in the Bible. But if you, if you, if you don't use that, you, you, let me say this, you'll see more forward movement in your faith journey if you fast. The same goes for prayer. As we develop our relationship with God or fight the spiritual battle for our souls, we can't do it without prayer. And that's why I believe our greatest breakthroughs on the other end of prayer and fasting. Because you see this modeled and spoken of and described throughout the scriptures. And why is it is it, if it's such an important practice that we know about but we never put into practice? Because I think in our church world today, I'm not saying Parkway, I'm just saying universal church, we like our flesh a little too much. We like things easy. We don't like a challenge. It's easier to sit on the couch and watch Netflix than it is to go to the gym, right? It's easier to sit and have a meal than it is to fast and feel the pain and hunger. Because you can't focus on anything else. So how do you start fasting? You start by going slow. Anybody ever remember the story of the 
turtle and the hare or the, the rabbit and the bunny. I don't know what, what the story's called. It's about this race where the, the, the rabbit, the hare, was, was going to beat the turtle. But because he was arrogant and he'd run really fast, he'd take a little nap. The turtle was just going slow and steady. Slow and steady ends up winning the race. Slow and steady wins the race when it comes to fasting. You start slowly. So you, maybe you begin. This is very practical, okay? Very practical for you. Maybe you begin with a partial fast. Maybe you just choose to abstain from, from certain types of food during the fast. You start there. And then as you progress and as you feel, um, you know, maybe ready for it, you attempt a, a full fast or, or, sorry, a regular fast for a full day where you don't eat any food um, and you only have maybe water or fruit juices. And then as you progress and you've done that maybe a few times, then you, then you attempt an absolute or a full fast where you abstain from food and water. You start slow and you work your way in it. Don't jump to like three days without food and water. Unless you're a really determined individual, likely you won't be able to do it. That's like why New Year's resolutions don't really get it <laughs> accomplished because people are like, I'm going to do this really hard thing and they jump like, you know, right into the deep end and they don't know how to swim. You don't do that. You start slowly. I'm going to start in the shallow end and then you build up and you learn and you, and you, and you recognize the challenge. You recognize the difficulty and so then you, you step. You know, my son the other day, he's, he's playing this game on this tablet where you, you have to get one thing into this other end by drawing lines and it's kind of like this thinking game and he's probably progressed to like level four but you can look ahead and look at the different levels and he says to me yesterday he says you got to do level 60 daddy I can't do it it's too hard and I said you're already on level 60 I was like blown away or I'm like you're six how do you do this I couldn't even get past level four myself and he's like no I'm not there I just looked ahead He's like, but it's too hard, I can't do it. I said, well, buddy, you start with where you're at and you work your way. And they do that so that by the time you get to level 60, you've completed 59 different levels and slowly you've worked your way up to it and so you're better able to accomplish it. The same with fasting, you work your way into it. Start with a partial fast, certain foods. Then you go to a, a regular fast, which is all food, but you know, I can still consume water. And then you go to the full you know, fast. Jesus assumed that his followers would be people who fasted. In Matthew chapter 6, when he was teaching on fasting, he says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. Notice that he says, when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast or if you try this out. See, in the mind of God, and he said the same thing about prayer. In the mind of Jesus, um, followers were to be people who fasted and prayed. I believe for us as a church, as Parkway Church, as this local body, that we will see a move of God in and through this church as we commit to be people who pray and to fast, who deny our flesh, right? Who de to deny the cravings of our body in order to center our hearts on what God could be doing, or in order to align our hearts with God. I believe that for you as individuals, that you will step into a new level of your faith, a new level of understanding, a deeper relationship with God. If you choose to set your heart on being a person who prays, who sets aside time to be alone with God, as Jesus often withdrew to pray, and fast. You know, I don't know how many times in my life I've looked at people who I think are, are really moving forward in their faith, and I'm like, Lord, man, I just look at their faith, and I'm encouraged, and I wanna, I wanna have the depth of relationship. And then he kind of reminds me of some of these things, right? Do this. 
Oh, that's hard. Well, if we want that, then we do this. I believe there's, there's something that's going to be unlocked if we decide to begin this year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. I believe for us as a church, we're going to see a breakthrough that we never saw before. I believe as individuals, you'll see, you'll see growth that you've never seen before. If we dedicate 21 days to prayer and fasting, to set aside time for a specific need, and then at the end of the 21 days, we're looking at having a night of worship and a night of prayer collectively. I'm going to invite the, Matt to come back up. I want to tell you a story of a guy named Maxwell Maltz. Maxwell Maltz was a plastic surgeon in the 1950s, and he began to notice a strange pattern among his patients. When Dr. Maltz would perform an operation, like let's say a nose job, he began to recognize that it took his patients about 21 days before they became accustomed to their new look. You know, or if there was an amputation, like someone was, had an arm amputated or a leg amputated, it would take them about 21 days to get used to. They'd feel the, a phantom limb for about 21 days until they got used to having their new body or their new shape. And so that prompted him to examine his own life and the patterns in his own life. And he began to learn that, that there was a pattern in, in his behavior that it take, took him a minimum of 21 days to begin a new habit or to, to, change it, to change a behavior. And that prompted him to wrote about these experiences. And he said this, he says, these and many other commonly observed phenomenon tend to show that it requires a minimum of about 21 days for an old mental image to dissolve and a new one to gel. Now, since then, our society has adopted this notion that it takes around 21 days to form a habit. But if you're like me and you've attempted to do something for 21 days, you realize that it takes a little bit longer to form a habit. I think studies in science have, have, have debated this for so long that the average is around 66 days. 66 days to form a new habit. But you know what still remains for me? A lot can happen in 21 days. A lot can happen in three weeks. A lot could happen if people chose to dedicate 21 days to pray and to fast. Pray and fast. What would it look like if the 120 people that are here would choose to challenge themselves beyond just coming on a Sunday morning, take 21 days to set aside time each day to pray for a specific need and to take the 21 days to fast. Like what would we see happen? What would we see accomplished? Not just pray, not just fast, but pray and fast. I believe that we would see breakthrough. I believe that we would see spiritual territory conquered. I believe that the remainder of this year would look drastically different. There's a saying that says, well begun is half done. Basically, it means that when you begin something right, the remainder is easier. What if we began this 2020, this new decade, with 21 days of prayer and fasting? What would the remainder of this year look like? Like, what would, what would September and October and November and December of this year look like? Because we started off, not by going to the gym, <laughs> Right, not because we have all these other resolutions, but we dedicated time as a collective whole to pray and to fast each day. So here's what this list looks like in my in my my mind.
very simple. Before you leave today, we have uh, a little piece of, of paper that has a prayer guide on it. So on the one side, you'll see all the days listed, day you know, one starting tomorrow, all the way to day 21, which is when we'll end as with a night of worship. And each day has a prayer focus and a scripture. And so here's my challenge for us as a, as a church. If you call Parkway your home, if you're a guest, hey, we're, we're glad you're here. Feel no obligation to do this. The rest of you feel obligated. No, don't feel obligated. But my challenge, my challenge is just take time each day, look at that prayer need, pray for it. Read the scripture, pray for it. Set aside time. It can take a few minutes. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a blanket need. You know, so you can, you can feel led to pray however you, you think. If, if you know someone that comes to mind as you think of that need, then you pray for them. If you don't have anyone in mind, just pray for the collective whole. Just, just, just let the Spirit of God, and just talk, right? God's not gonna listen to you more clearly because you sound a certain way when you pray for it. But, but let's pray. And then the second part of that is to fast for the 21 days. So again, it can look different for every person in this, in this room. So maybe you choose a partial fast where for the whole 21 days, you're just gonna abstain from you know, certain food types. Maybe it's sugar, maybe it's you're gonna go plant-based and you're gonna do the Daniel fast kind of thing. You know, maybe it's, it's something different for you. You're gonna fast, a partial fast for the whole 21 days. Maybe, maybe you do a regular fast, you know, you know, and then throughout. You choose, you choose a day in each week and you fast for the whole day all food and you just have water and, and fruit or full fast. You know, for me personally, just so you know, just very practically speaking, I'm gonna take the 21 days and I'm gonna, for the whole 21 days, I'm gonna fast social media apart from what we need to post as a church, but someone's already volunteered to help me and us so that I don't necessarily have to do it, which is great. Um, like TV, media kind of sources. And then specifically, because many of you know sugary substances for the for the 21 days, I'm going to remove junk from my diet. And then each week, I'm going to choose to do. So, so out of the three weeks, I'm going to do a full fast. That's, that's my plan. My plan isn't necessarily your plan. Your plan is just to pray and to fast. What does it look like for you? If for, for health reasons, you can't fast from food, right? You can't do that. Then you can choose something else. There's nothing in the scripture that bounds us to fast a certain way. So maybe for you, it's I'm choosing to do a media fast. And so I'm gonna stop TV and I'm gonna stop social media and music. I know that's really hard for some of you. You know, music and, and whatever it is, I'm denying what I crave in order to align my heart with God. That's the idea, right? I'm denying what, what I need in order to align my heart with God. That's the idea, right? Very practical. Pray and to fast. Because I believe that for Parkway Church, and for you as, as individuals, that our greatest breakthrough is on the other end of this. On the other end of this. It's, it's going to be a challenge. That means there's going to be difficulty. It's not going to be easy. But let's believe in faith that if we do this, that we will, our hearts will be more centered on God. If at the very minimum, the very minimum, our focus shifts from God just being a part of our life to being the main focus of our life, that is amazing. Because that's the point. And then all the other stuff that may come from that, answers to prayer, that's a bonus. Our greatest breakthrough is on the other end 
of prayer and fasting. Now here's the key, and I'm gonna pray after this. Is when you feel the, the temptation to give in, when you feel the hunger pains because you're choosing to fast a meal or maybe all meals, that's when you pray, right? You're replacing it with the prayer. And so if it's lunch for you and it's coming around lunchtime and you hear your stomach go make those sounds, you know, and you feel the, 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 the pushing, you don't go, hurrah, diet. No, you say, okay, I need to pray. And you, and you stop and you pray. And ask God to help you with the pain. And then pray for that need. And if for you, you're like, for health reasons, you can't do food, and so you're doing media, and you're tempted to sit down and binge watch Netflix in the evening because you have nothing else to do for the next three hours of the evening, you don't. You open up your Bible and you pray. It's when, when the temptation comes, you pray. Using scripture is very good. Jesus, when he was fasting in the desert, he was, he was tempted by the enemy. And what did he do to fight the temptation? He used scripture. Is it written, he said. Is it written, is it? He said, is it written? The enemy would come and say, just do this. How about this? Is it written? You'd fight it with scripture. So you stop, you pray, read the scripture, and then you'll find that it probably subsides and you move on. Does that make sense? Everybody following with that? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that we can gather. Lord, and as we look ahead to this year, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would allow your presence to, to be, allow us to be more aware of your presence in our lives. Think of that story of that man who, who dedicated time in that rocking chair, God, just to be more aware of your presence and how you worked in and through his life and his, and his marriage and his relationships, God, in his career, Father God, in his calling. And I pray as we choose, God, to dedicate the next 21 days, God, to, to praying and fasting, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, Lord, that we would be more aware of your presence and that we would see you move and we would see our hearts align more with you in the name of Jesus. So we commit, God, this challenge to you. We commit these days to you. And God, I pray for each person, God, who's here, would you speak specifically to them? Maybe you know, God, what it is that they need to fast from, what it is they need to, to deprive themselves or forego in their lives, Father God, in order to center their, their hearts on you. In the name of Jesus, God, we love you, we bless you, God, we honor you. This is all for your glory, it's all for your namesake, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.